ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi, welcome. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better, your year-round Colts podcast from The Athletic. So we're still quarantined, but the NFL show continues, Zach, and um, the Colts, they're hard at work and doing uh, what they can to prepare this week, we, we continue to get a little bit more insight into these virtual meetings the team has been doing. I thought that's been kind of interesting. Um, but uh, we learned this week, Zach, what, that uh, Philip Rivers is doing uh, cadences and calling out play calls on yeah. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine kind of- if there's a connection issue? Right, Ryan Kelly's like, wait, I didn't hear that. You froze for a minute. <laughs> this is the life, this is the world we're living in right now. And, and you know that happens, right? I mean, I haven't been on a Zoom call yet that hasn't had a glitch. My favorite moment of any Zoom call, and we'll play this for you guys in just a minute, is yesterday, right after we get done talking to Ryan Kelly about his contract and his future in Indianapolis, his dog starts barking, and he has to take a minute to get the dog out of the room. I think we've all been there before. I think the doorbell rang. So for me, it's UPS because everybody's online shopping. So yeah, it always it's always UPS. It makes for the us, dog go crazy. Any so. person that walks on the sidewalk in front of our house, our dog loses <laughs> his mind. <laughs> yeah. So we it was a very relatable moment for sure. We've all been there. Uh, so anyhow, I just thought that was interesting. The other update, I guess, this week would be that NFL facilities are kind of sort of opening. Uh, yeah. They're not actually doing any football in there yet and that won't happen for a while i don't think but they are starting to open the facilities on a very limited basis to very limited personnel coaches and players for the most part aren't going to be working out of the facility for now but i don't know we're, we're crawling along we're getting there i see the nba yeah. making progress so you know optimism some optimism um we'll see about fans and all that but at least we're making progress toward playing games that's good so Zach, you mentioned Ryan Kelly. Uh, I thought that well, we've been hearing from a couple players this, uh, every week, and this week uh, Ryan Kelly was among the players we heard from. Uh, I, I thought there was really no question in my mind that, that he was going to be here for the long term, but I think we put that question to Ryan Kelly yesterday and let him elaborate on on what his hopes are and what may or may not be happening on the front of his contract. So let's listen to Ryan. You know, my agent, Jimmy Sexton, uh, I know he's had a few conversations with Chris uh, so far. I don't know if any numbers have been thrown around yet, but um, obviously I have the most, you know, confidence in Chris that, you know, I think we got something special in our offensive line. So, um, you know, I'd like to play my entire career in Indianapolis. And uh, I truly believe that, you know, I'll be here for a while, I hope. Um, and so just, you know, trying to keep my mind on uh, working out and getting ready for the season. So that's kind of been where my head's at so far. Hey, uh, hey give, me, give, me, oh, give me one second. The freaking dog is losing his mind. <laughs> yeah, so we, we wanted to give you that bonus there of the dog just for the, uh, like I said, to make it relatable. But in all seriousness, I mean, this is, I, I think this is a key step, right? This is the first step, Zach, yeah. or one of the first steps. Uh, they re-signed Anthony Costanzo. That was a huge step, but this – could be another step in keeping that offensive line together. They know what they have there, man. I mean, that's yeah. to me, that's what this thing is all built on, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I mean, this is this is a guy you want to pay. You want to pay this guy. You want to pay him top dollar, I think, because he's everything you want your program to be about. And I kind of wrote about this last night. 
he's probably as underappreciated as a guy is in there in that locker room. And you know, you're in that locker room every day. And and I wrote about the two guys to his left. You know, Anthony Costanzo because of the position he plays, and he's had two of his best years the last two years. He gets a lot of attention, and, and rightly so. And then the superstar to his left in Quentin Nelson, who's among the best players in the league and, and going to be for a long time. And, and then there's Ryan Kelly, who, oh, by the way, and, and Holder, you know this, going back to our days covering Colin Holmes and Jonathan Harrison and Samson Satelli. I mean, the center position was an absolute nightmare early in the Andrew Luck era. And they drafted Ryan Kelly in the first round, and they haven't looked back. And he's... He's been absolutely a monster at that position, and he's a pro bowler this year, and you just don't hear a lot about him. I think he's one of the best in the in the league at his position. Andrew Luck, I remember saying that as well. I think he's, you know, Andrew Luck saying he's one of the most underrated players in football. Um, this is a guy you want to pay. And, and Chris Ballard loves offensive linemen like we love our firstborn children, right? I mean, he's not going to do something crazy and break up this offensive line. Um, they love Braden Smith. They love Mark Golinski. They really love Ryan Kelly. And and this is something that stood out to me that Frank Reich said just this past week. You know, we were asking about him and Frank said, look, when I first got on the job, he was one of the first guys I met. I remember saying to Chris, if we're going to go where we want to go as an offense, Ryan Kelly is going to have to step up and be an alpha dog. And then Frank added this. I didn't realize how much of an alpha dog he is. And so I think Philip Rivers is starting to get that sense because they're doing some virtual work together and working on their cadence and snaps and all that different stuff that centers and quarterbacks have to do. But um, I think right, you know, when it comes to contracts, this is an easy one. You pay the guy, you keep him here because the stability he offers you at a really critical position is is something you just cannot you cannot have. I mean, you just got to have this guy for a long time. Yeah, I think the one knock on Ryan would have been health. And he has missed mm-hmm. some games the last few years, but but missed last 13 year, thirteen games. Those two, yeah, the two years before this year, but he did start sixteen right. games this year. Well, that that's exactly what I was going to say. I think starting sixteen last year was a huge statement, and I think it was something he needed. I, I know he was. I don't want to say sensitive about his, the concern, but I know he was aware of it, and and wasn't something that he, he like he enjoyed was talking off about. about it. Personally, yeah, I mean, he, you know Ryan. Yeah. He'll be honest as anybody in that locker room, and it ticked him off when he wasn't a, when he wasn't able to be on the field for his team. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing I would point out is that one of those stretches was was with a, a lingering concussion that he just couldn't clear, and the symptoms for some reason kept creeping up again. And it was a lot of stops and starts. I remember he got cleared a couple times, and then had to yeah. start the process over. So, yeah, I'm not saying you can just discount that, but I don't look at a concussion as like fragility. That's just something that happens. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think he, I don't know that it was necessarily a deserved reputation. So the point is, uh, I think they're going to pay this guy. He's going to get what he's worth. He's going to get, I think, one of the top dollar center contracts in the NFL. And yeah. again, this is going to be a trend now, right? They have in the next yeah, he's two not years. not going to be the last. No. In the next two years or so, roughly, they've also got to pay. Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith. Okay, we forget about Braden Smith. I mean, he's going to get a, a pretty good right tackle contract yes. if he keeps playing yes, well. He is. And then Quentin Nelson is going to just basically take all of Jim Mercer's money. I mean, <laughs> okay. who knew a guard would be so expensive? But I would imagine Quentin gets t- twelve to fourteen a year. He'll be the highest paid offensive lineman. I guarantee you. I guarantee you think? You think? Regardless be- of, I mean, even tackles. I think, he, I think he will money. get. They do. 
I think he'll be the top paid offensive lineman. I, I, I don't I'm know. not going to bet against you. Maybe I'm crazy. You. I'm not going to bet against you. Maybe I'm crazy. You. I think um, he's that good. I the think he's top that good. center right now is Rodney Harris, Hudson out of, out of Las Vegas Raiders. He makes 11.2 a year. Right. So I would think Kelly makes 10 or 11 a year for, you know, I four think or he's five in the $10 deal. million dollar range. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember what the top end offensive lineman so is right now. Tunsil with Houston is the top paid left tackle. And he's making twenty two a year. Tons second twenty two. That I didn't second realize. Place okay, is a familiar name, Anthony Costanza, with his new two year deal, sixteen and a half. Costanza yeah. was getting he'll, paid this year. He'll definitely get Costanza money for sure. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see. I think that uh, you know, and obviously the the average per year is also a factor. I think I think. Some of the money in Tunzel's deal might be signing bonus, which is up front and all that, which is great. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, I don't know that the average per year is that high. But the point is, I, they are going to have to back up a couple of Brinks trucks here yeah. in the very near and future. Pay, yeah, this is the problem and, when you draft so well. You got Leonard to pay as well. And, and they did take care of Kenny Moore. That's good. But yeah, you still don't have a long-term have, solution at quarterback, and that's pricey. So Yeah. The, the good thing is, though, I think this is a good problem to have. Because like I said, I think this offensive line, I think they're leading. They're they're basically um, they're leading the way here. And and the, you mentioned something about Ryan that I want to double down on. What Frank Reich said in our interactions with him are so unique. And I yeah. wish everybody out there could enjoy them with us. But if you know Ryan Kelly, you know that he is a take no prisoners, uh, doesn't give a shit kind of guy. And he, I mean, he, he's not one of those, like, he's all football type of dudes. Like, he's he's a well-rounded guy. Um, he's He has a lot of interest in all that. But uh, he is, he's kind of old school. And I kind yeah, of like that about him. It's not hard for me to picture him being an asshole on the field because he's an oh, asshole to no us all the time. And I mean that in a good way. And we're an asshole right back to him. And it's... It's a fun. It's a beautiful relationship throughout the season. Um, but he, like Frank said, that alpha dog. He's got that. He's he's from the minute he signed here. I remember the day after he was drafted. He, he you know those the players come in and their families there and he holds up a jersey and they all smile and take photos. Ryan Kelly did not smile at all. He had just <laughs> been drafted right. in the first round. He did not smile, and that's kind of been his mo. He's kind of got this fu face. Just just eternally stamped on on his face and um he, that's just how he plays and, and, and like you said he would fit in perfectly in the 1980s in the nfl he's just a no nonsense no bs kind of guy just wants to play football and destroy the guy across from him um and i think you know this is one of ryan grigson's best draft picks because he just came in here from the minute he was drafted he was the starting center and that Really, really alleviated a huge problem this team had had for so long since the days of just Saturday. To be honest, you know why I think it was such a good pick, and why it turned out to be a good pick. It's because Grixon didn't overthink it. Yeah, it was like you know what can't draft a we center. We haven't in the found first a center. <laughs> right, right. But it's like well, you know what we've been spending the last four years trying to find a center. Screw it, we're getting a center. Right, right. And we're not looking I mean, back. Like, it's not a hard calculation, man. It's like. There's a need. He's the best player on the board. You draft him. <laughs> yeah. I think when you talk about picks like Philip Dorsett, that's overthinking it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, he's really Trying fast. Yeah, but what about all this other stuff? Yeah, with and with it, this is different. With Kelly, it's 
it was that it was another piece, and you've seen them over the time. You know, they got a little lucky with Braden Smith because they wanted him to be a guard. Oh, he can play tackle. That was that was them getting a, a lucky break. You know, Glowinski steps in. That was a really good find. You know, he was you know was cut by the Seahawks. You draft Kelly in round one. You draft Nelson in round one. You hit big on Nelson because you know you had to trade back and you were able to acquire some assets. You know, don't think of Quentin Nelson as just being the Quentin Nelson draft pick. They also got like three more picks. That have turned into starters as well. And then you got Costanzo, another first round pick. So slowly over the last five years, they've completely transformed what used to be, I mean, the biggest joke in town, right? The offensive line. I mean, Jacoby Brissett got sacked 10 times in one game. Um, and now that's, now that's a selling point for free agents. You know, now that's, that's one of the reasons T.Y. Hilton wants to come back and play. And that's one of the reasons Anthony Costanzo is, is to- told retirement to wait. You know, he's basically saying, I want to keep playing with these guys. He said this when he came back. He said, I would be lying to you if I said it wasn't a big thing that Quentin Nelson is playing with me right now. You know, so it's amazing that turnaround. But um, the guy that gets lost a little bit is the guy right in the middle uh, and Ryan Kelly. And, and he, he deserves his payday pretty soon. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what the what the long, long-term future is for this line because Costanzo is at the age that he's at. But, yeah. but in the short term, you know, this is really, I think, Chris Ballard's legacy right now as a GM is building this offensive line. Now, he hasn't won anything, and yeah. he's got a long way to go, and, and that's how you really build a legacy, or you got to win something. But, yeah. but, but the lasting uh, memory of Chris Ballard for now, so far, is what he's done up front. And... And I yeah. think compared to the very recent history, compared it to comparing it to now, I mean that is that's an astronomical achievement because he, of where they came from. He was really honest and he lived it in seventeen. I mean he I mean they were you remember they were signing guys on the street on Tuesday and they were starting on Sunday and Chris has told me and you before that there were days that were so frustrating for him. Because he would just have to sit there in the box and watch his offensive line get destroyed. And there was one day that was so bad, that Jacksonville game where Jacoby got the hell beat out of him. Where Ten Ballard basically told himself, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. We're not doing this anymore. So, um, and that's, you know, you remember that draft. After the draft, you know, him and Frank came out and said, basically, we wanted to just go all in on, on the defensive and offensive lines. Like, that's what that was our thing. That was our theme this draft. That's why taking a guard six overall was not a hard decision for them. And I think his them. words that day, that night, what were they? Told you. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> the first we thing like, he said. Yeah, you did. You did. Yep. Told yeah. you. And, and it's it's and look at where he's at. I mean, you can't draft a guard yeah. six overall. I can't do it. I mean, Quentin Nelson's a is not just a pro bowler. He's going to be a Hall of Famer when his career is over. I don't care what he's position they play. Track. If you get a chance to draft a Hall of Famer. You draft him. And, and Quentin Nelson has changed a lot more than just the offensive line. He's changed the way they attack offensively in a lot of different ways. So it's been remarkable to see that group turn around. But, um, yeah, it's you're right. That's the, the, that's the stamp right now on Chris Ballard's legacy. It's, it's the offensive line and, and how much he's overhauled that unit. Right. And that's a great segue because – uh, for him to really solidify like a bigger legacy, and I think you know when we talk about having having not won anything, the way you win in this league is with the quarterback. So uh, that is a position in transition. Obviously, Philip Rivers is the starter right now. He's on a one year deal, but this week thought it was important when we talked to Frank Reich to to sort of revisit 
like what's the long term conversation been around yeah. Philip Rivers? And because Philip has hinted in the past at wanting to play uh, beyond this, just this year, this one year deal. And Frank has kind of sort of touched on it, but I, I sort of asked him more forcefully this week. And we want to play you a clip of what he said, uh, which was basically, I thought, an, an endorsement of having Philip Rivers here beyond 2020. Um, but I think the spirit of it was, hey, we're, we're in this together. And as long as Philip wants to play, he wants to be here. Um, it's the NFL. You know, we know he's got to prove it. We got to prove it as a team that he, you know, to keep him wanting to play. So um, I can just tell you from the previous relationship, I, I really believe it's Phillip's intent to play multiple years. Um, I really, I personally believe he is more than capable of multiple years. Um, so, but as far as how the actual contract gets out, gets worked out, you know, that, that's, that is, uh, it's the NFL. So um, we keep things realistic there, but I'm very optimistic. It'll be a multi-year thing. So thoughts. Um, I'm wondering for you, Zach, I was kind of one, I was kind of operating under that assumption yeah. on some level. What were you and, and why, if so? Yeah, this was always looked at as a one, possibly two year deal. That's what I was told early on. Um, it makes sense because the Colts at that point didn't have anybody under contract for 2021. They do now with Jacob Eason, but who knows if he'll be ready to go. Um, but the one thing I think that threw a curveball into this is, is the announcement that Rivers is going to take over his son's high school team and become the head coach there. He's, a, he's the head coach in waiting. Um, that was news to some people, but not news to us because Philip told us this the day we talked to him after he signed his contract um, in, in his NFL career is going to finish whenever he wants it to finish. And then he's become the high school coach. It's not set in stone. You have to become the coach this year. And the other thing here is I, I believe his oldest son Gunner is in sixth grade. So it's not like he's in eighth grade ready to play as a freshman next year. So there's a little bit of time. Um, if I had to guess right now, I think Rivers plays two years with the Colts. Uh, Greg has said a million times that he watched every throw he's made the last two years and he doesn't see any drop off in arm strength. And you got to remember Rivers was not great in, in 2019. That's a fact. Everyone knows that 20 interceptions. A lot of times he was trying to pull them back into games. Go back to 18 though. The chargers were 12 and four and he was an MVP candidate. If the Colts get that version of Phillip Rivers, if they can protect and like Frank said, not have him throw it 35 times a game. And if TY is getting single coverage deep, and you got Pittman and you got Taylor and you got Marlon Mack. We could see, we could see the 2018 version of Phillip Rivers. That's what the Colts are banking on. If you don't make him do too much, he can be a really, really high level quarterback. So I think that's what they're banking on. And if that happens, if he plays well, both sides are going to want to come to another agreement. Both are going to be motivated to make this work again in, in 2021. So I would imagine the same kind of deals on the table. Um, the Colts want to bring him back. Rivers wants to come back. He's not going to want to go somewhere else at this point. So I think that's probably what happens. It's the NFL, as Reich said. A lot of things could happen. He could get injured. Who knows? But um, I don't see Eason as a guy who's going to come in and step in in year two and take over. Who knows what happens with Jacoby Brissett? He will be a free agent at the end of the season. But uh, I think Rivers is here for, for one year for sure, and I think possibly a, another year 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like right now it's their best option, right? And and they don't right. control all the circumstances, as you said, because injuries are always a factor. And even though Philip like never misses a game, it doesn't uh, put even, them in a spot where they have to panic. You know what I mean? No, right. It, their best, the best case scenario for the Colts is Philip Rivers plays at an acceptable level this year and good enough that you bring him back for 2021 and you just keep kicking that can down the road a little bit in terms of your your future quarterback because they don't grow on trees and if you don't find one in the next year then you've got to line up and you got to play right so Philip Rivers would be that guy um I don't have a problem with that I think I I think the only question is is just you know how does he perform but as you said yeah I, I thought I think you you make a very good point and and I've gotten caught up in this too uh caught up in and examining how he played last season, but you are correct. That 2018 season was fabulous, and that yeah. was vintage Philip Rivers. I mean, they had a chance to you remember them going too. on the road and beating Kansas City on a Thursday night. I mean, they were they were one of the best teams in the NFL that year, right? And so the the other thing I recall is, or I guess the other thing I consider, I should say, is that uh, we we sometimes have talked about or, or I guess compared the supporting cast in terms of the skill positions. And I think you could argue that the Chargers had a little bit of an edge there over what the Colts currently have because I think they have some elite guys, right, at, at uh, wide receiver. But that being said, the when you factor in the Colts' offensive line and factor in the entire supporting cast that he'll have here versus what he had in Los Angeles, I think yeah. the edge is to the Colts. So yeah. that bodes well for him succeeding here. Um, and and I just think that really the one-year deal was really just a function of, look, he's 38. <laughs> and, you know, right. when he's thirty, when someone's 38, you can only envision one year at a time. So that, that just was a yeah. reflection of reality. The Chargers had a huge deficiency at tackle last season. I think one of their tackles got hurt right when the season started. And I think I saw a stat where they were basically – second from the last in terms of pressures allowed from the tackle spots. And, and we know Rivers can't move at all. And that really, really limits what you can do as a quarterback. So, yes, they had weapons for sure. But um, I think I think the five offensive linemen, I think that's a huge piece of this. And I think that's a huge selling point for Phillip Rivers. We know it is. That's what he told Nick Sirianni after he signed. And I think that that'll change the way Rivers is able to play football this year. And then you've got the two-back attack that, that Frank Reich has always wanted, and Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. You've got the scat back and Naheem Hines. So there's going to be so much talent around him to take the load off of Phillip Rivers' shoulders. Um, they're very confident he can play that role and play it really well. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, before we get out of here and wrap this up, I, I think it's it'd be good to touch on another conversation we had this week with linebacker Anthony Walker. We have talked about this a little bit before, but we did ask him on a couple of occasions uh, about – Look, there's a reality there at linebacker where he, well, the leading tackler last year, by the way, uh, he's really being pushed by Bobby Okiriki at middle linebacker. Yeah. Now, there are three linebacker spots, and they can all play on some level. but They like playing they only, two for the most part. Yeah, it's only about 30% of the snaps that you actually see the strong side linebacker out there. So, so it's really a two-man group at linebacker for the most part. And it'll be very interesting. I've had people in the building tell me, look, that's that's a spot we are really watching this year because they know 
Oki Riki is a fabulous player, and they are really excited about him. Uh, and he quietly he, he makes game changing plays. Really yeah. good at the end of last year. He played really well. Like no one was paying attention because the Colts were falling apart and losing to the Jags and them. But Okariki was one of the best players on the field the last month of the season. Right, and you know, he has a nose for the football. Yeah, he he makes things happen. I thought when Darius Leonard missed those three games early on, that was his coming out party. He got a chance to to play extended reps for the first time. So I, it's going to be very interesting. I I, I mean. Anthony didn't really have a great answer for us because, you know, his answer was, well, it's up to the coaches and that's true. Yeah. But but he knows and and it's interesting. He's in a contract year as well. Um but this goes back to what you said earlier. Good problem to have, right? <laughs> They've drafted pretty well. They drafted both of these guys. And that's you know, uh, would you would you rank that group? Is that one of their top positions on the team? I I have said that it's that in the offensive line, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, offensive line. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But in terms right. of them probably playing two linebackers really most good. of the field, I really like Anthony Walker. I think there is a huge value he brings to the team, and not just on the field, but I agree. he is one of the young leaders. And he is one of those guys you want on your team. And he's close with Darius Leonard, and and I get it. You're going to play the best guy, and, and Okariki is coming, and he's coming fast. But Anthony Walker has tremendous value he brings to this organization. And he's a good player, too. He's a really good player, too. Um, that's going to be difficult to – it's going to be a difficult decision for this team because you can't pay everybody. But um, oh. Walker, I mean, for a guy that came out of Northwestern, fifth-round pick, didn't play hardly at all as a rookie, you know, he's been overshadowed by Leonard, but he's been a very, very solid uh, middle linebacker for this team. Yeah, it's going to be a, a very tricky – contract negotiation with Anthony Walker a year from now because you know I could see a team that needs uh, some young leadership and and some toughness saying to him hey you know what here's eight or nine million bucks and yep. you know it's going to be really hard for the Colts to say you know what that's a good decision for us because uh, they have a guy there and they've got all these other guys to pay so that somebody is it? I think it's very likely someone poaches him if he continues to play well, and there's no reason he shouldn't. Um, and this is, you know, these are sort of unfortunate outcomes when you you stack talent on top of talent. But yeah, that's where they're at. But he's you know, a good dude. Hey, though. That's, he's, that's he's what you one want. Of the, one of the very best in that locker room to talk with. Yeah, and and he is, I mean, universally respected in there. I I think yeah. Frank Reich in particular really leans on him. Uh, as one of those locker room leaders who who has the pulse of the locker room, and you and I have talked to Frank about this, he he really I think lets his players kind of control the locker room, yeah. and I, I think it, which is a great uh, method of leadership. I think if you find guys you trust, and Anthony's one of those guys I think who really uh, is is able to to sort of uh, play that role. And and play it well. He really does have a lot of respect in there. So um, you can't something to watch. You forget that you forget that he's a third year guy last year. I, I, I know. Feel like I'm talking to it's an crazy. eight year veteran. You know what I mean? And there's <laughs> a couple crazy. guys like that. That Kenny Moore is only in like his third year, and it it seems like he's been here forever. And it, it's he's so young and he's so he's so early in his career. And you know that's an exciting thing for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. So hey, before we sign off. Um, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, I want to take this time to encourage you to do that. There's plenty of uh, opportunities for trial subscriptions when you uh, 
uh, click on any of our any of our links that uh, that'll come up. Offers will come up, and you can take advantage of those. Uh, no obligation offers and so forth. But the reason I bring that up is I, I want to point out Zach's story this week uh, about Kari Willis, uh, who was a rookie safety last season, and what he was playing through last season. And neither Zach nor I had any clue. And apparently most of the locker room didn't know most either. Most of his teammates, so Zach, just, most of his coaches, yeah. no clue. Yeah, Zach, f- fill them in, Zach, on just you know, what's the short version on that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Kari, he's he's as soft-spoken and as quiet as a guy that's in there. And I talked to him a couple times during the season, but there was no whiff of this. And, you know, after the season, we find out, I found out that he had been basically spending every single night at Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital where his twin boys were were fighting for their lives. They were born three months early, a pound and 14 ounces each. And there were some really, really scary moments for him and his girlfriend. And, you know, he was like, this was my routine. I would, I would wake up at the hospital. I would drive to work. I would, I would be at the Colts facility from, from seven to seven. It's a 12 hour day, meetings, film work, practice, all that stuff. And then I would drive back to the hospital and I would walk in there and I would hope that I wouldn't hear more bad news. And I would spend some time moving from incubator to incubator to try and, you know, he has to slip on these gloves to to touch the boys. Um, and then he would go sleep on a pullout couch down the hall. So behind the scenes, he was dealing with an enormous personal burden, you know, whether these boys were going to make it. And, and he played a he played a pretty damn good rookie season as well. You know, if, if you wouldn't have never known it, you would have thought, oh, he still had a good rookie season. So. You know, Kari told me, I just can't wait to see what I can do when I don't have all this weighing on my mind. So um, unbelievable personal challenge this guy went through as a rookie. Yeah, and we're happy to report the two boys are now uh, on their way. They're healthy, they're home, and yeah. uh, hopefully have a bright future ahead of them. So, you know, great ending to that story. But Kari's story's not over. He's got a long way to go, and I think he's going to uh, make his mark. He he's He's well on his way. So anyhow, that's the type of that's the type of stuff that we hope to bring more of for you. Um, I've got a story I'm working on for next week as well. I'm really excited about. So um, hopefully you'll uh, get a chance to look at that. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, we're back next week. A uh, little bit of a short week, but we'll still hear from the Colts. So uh, we'll be back with another episode of One Percent Better. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer signing off.